Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yet another show gram we're putting together for you without Mike Snyder. I, I, I don't know what it is, Scooter Reese. We send him emails. There's memos. We put it on the calendar, the schedule. But Snyder doesn't show. No show Mike. I, I No show Mike. But that's a, he's busy. I'm sure yes. he's busy doing whatever it is he normally does. After the show. And he's just not here. But we are. Yes, we are. And for this week, we look back at a couple of interviews we have done uh, that I wanted to share with you. Some fascinating people on this week's showgram, at least. Uh, one, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Two, a guy that was at Woodstock. And three, interesting book about genetic engineering. So let's break this down. Number one, Scooter uh, lined up former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Now, he's got a new book. Uh, that is called collusion, but not that kind of collusion, although we are talking about collusion a lot, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. and uh, he touches up on today's politics alongside with you, so uh, check that out, not only the book, but you know how Newt likes to talk today's politics as well. Newt made some interesting observations about 2020, the economy, where it is now, and could it mean re-election for President Trump? Also, I asked him about the Mueller report and what he dealt with with the Star report, and what are the differences between what Clinton was charged with when it comes to impeachment and what they're debating about President Trump. So, Newt Gingrich uh, with us. Also, uh, we have a wonderful musician, fascinating conversation. We had a chance to spend some time with Mark, uh, Michael Carabello, a part of Santana in town. There's a special photo exhibit at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This, of course, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. He was there, Scoop. Yeah, and the funny thing is is that you're going to love what he tells you. It's like, one, he goes, if you were there at Woodstock, he says you weren't. He says you don't remember it. So, And two, he says because that they were getting ready to play a lot, he says a lot of stuff that happened on the outside coming yeah. in and, and just what happened out in the crowd, they don't recall because they were just busy getting their sets ready so all that inside information he was never a part of it he says great guy fun conversation michael carabella with uh, woodstock and then we really get outside the box jamie metzel uh, joins us he's a senior fellow for tech and national security at the atlantic council he's written a book called hacking darwin now this thing is fascinating genetic engineering and the future of humanity what is possible when it comes to technology and genetics and where we're at now and where we could be in the future. Jamie Metzl, that was a fantastic conversation, Scott. Yes, and when uh, I got to hear the interview that you did with him, I was a little bit blown away about just the different things he said about the technology. But uh, I had to listen to it over again a yeah. few times just because it was just – Right, it was just a fascinating the way you did it. And just uh, it, it's some interesting tidbits on technology. You're going to like it. Jamie Metzl, the book Hacking Darwin. We spent some time with Michael Caraballa of uh, Santana – and former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, on this week's Showgram. The Wills and Snyder Showgram. We are honored to have former Speaker Newt Gingrich, who is now writing books. He and Pete Early have come together with another one called Collusion. And, and we'll get to some news of the day. But, but you know, first, you, you've got this storyline with the Russians. This is fascinating. Congratulations on this. Well, thank you. And it's, and it's based on reality. The Russians have... Had Americans collude with them. They had an FBI agent 
who was a Russian spy for 25 years. Uh, they love using poisons, and they like people to know that they use the poison because they want to scare people. And uh, <clears throat> we have a hero who uh, has an opioid addiction from a pain that from wound, dealing with the pain from a wound in combat. All of this stuff is real. And I think people will find it pretty fascinating. Brett Garrett is one of the characters of Valerie Mayberry. We've got a wealthy family. It, it, it's fascinating. You know, I also would note, just in the news today, I think it's the third CIA agent, uh, or at least someone spying on behalf of China, has also been... I mean, th this stuff is real, isn't it? It is real, and, and the Chinese are a bigger long-term threat than the Russians. But the Russians have been at this since 1917 in the Russian Revolution, and uh, Diana West wrote an amazing book called American Betrayal and estimated that at its peak in the late 40s, there were 500 Soviet agents in the American government. So I think uh, it is, it's just one of those things that the news media doesn't like to cover and people don't like to think about. But we have in Russia a country whose who's dictator is a um, former KGB uh, colonel yeah. and who... Uh, our, our book, Over Collusion, opens with a quote from Putin who said uh, the Cold War never ended. You know and what? I think that that's how he operates. We're seeing some of that now in Venezuela, right? I mean, he's saying, hold Absolutely. on, don't leave. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Well, the, the Russians are trying on the cheap to be in our backyard in Venezuela and to prop up Maduro, uh, the dictatorship. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we're pretty, we're increasingly frustrated with them. And I think it will probably lead to a real confrontation at some point. But they think that, that uh, we will always back down. They think they have the ability to bluff us, and uh, which, which may be a huge mistake with uh, Donald J. Trump. Uh, but uh, th this is an old Russian tradition. And uh, what, what Putin is doing is, they hear him as a poker player who has a bad hand, but he's a brilliant player. And so he tries to play that hand uh, as well as possible. And uh, he's very formidable. I, I think we, we should not underestimate how dangerous the Russians are. Always Chinese good to... may be a bigger threat in the long run, but in the short run, the Russians are still very formidable. Always good to spend some time with former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich. His latest book is called Collusion. On that word, let me let me ask you about the news of the day. A lot of comparisons with with President Trump, what's happened with Mueller, and, and, and back with Clinton. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. You had a document that said Clinton had broken the law. Look, Ken Starr... The independent counsel appointed by three federal judges uh, reported, and he said on 11 counts, think about this, on 11 different counts, he said Bill Clinton was guilty. He used the word guilty. Now, can you imagine where we would be today if you had had uh, Mueller report that Donald Trump was guilty on uh, 11 different counts? But, but uh, Starr said that Clinton was guilty of obstruction five times. He was guilty of other law, violations of law six times. Uh, and, you know, I think that's a very different case where we are right now. And even with him found guilty on 11 counts, the country in the end decided that it was not worth disrupting the Constitution by uh, convicting him. And so we impeached him in the House. It went to the Senate, and the Senate ultimately concluded uh, that, that they weren't comfortable convicting him. But uh, we, were, we were not operating off of... New York Times and Washington Post allegations. We had a, we had an independent counsel who said flatly, "This guy has been uh, basically breaking the law and was guilty on all these counts." 
final minute with you. A lot of politics, though, now, even with Attorney General Barr not wanting to go in front of the, the House half because of the Democrats and, and what how they want to question him today? Well, and I agree with Barr. The, the Constitution doesn't say that you can bring in your hired guns and try to embarrass the Attorney General. It also tells you something about the Democrats' own lack of confidence, that they're not sure that their members are up to it, and so they think they have to rely on uh, their paid staff. But if I were if I were a bar, I would never agree to a deal where I'm supposed to go in there and allow a bunch of hired guns to shoot at me all day to see if they can embarrass me. Uh, finally, the 2020, is it Trump's to lose right now, you think, with the way the economy's going? Yeah, basically. I mean, I, I think that uh, if the economy keeps growing, and it is remarkable, lowest black unemployment in history, lowest Latino unemployment in history, um, if he can keep this up, the odds are better than even he'll get reelected. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, the book Collusion. Always great to have you on. Thank you, sir. Great, thanks. Celebrating Woodstock 50 at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Carlos was a bit shy. This guy kind of talked him into putting everything together for the music of Santana. Michael Carabella with us on the hotline. Bill Wills, Mike Snyder alongside. Sir, thank you so much for your time, first of all. We greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has put together Woodstock at 50. You, you've had a chance to see it. I haven't. T- t- what do you think? Tell us about it. Uh, the, the Woodstock that's coming up? Yes, yes. Uh, well, I'm going to play with Carlos at it um, for two of the shows. Uh, I think I think it's exciting. Uh, it'll never be a recreation of what really happened, the first one. But uh, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. At our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we have an exhibit putting together some uh, rare prints and, and footage and outfits and all from from Woodstock at fifty. And and, and really, that's that's a that, that's really the mission of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame: putting together some great memories of what rock music means, right? Yeah, yes, it is. And uh, I saw some of the exhibit this morning, and it's incredible. I, I'm just so honored that our band was in it and a lot of other bands were in it also it was a time of a lot of creativity back then and it seems like everybody was on the same page as being creative and a lot of different music got creative out of the the wood the woodstock thing and we're so glad that somebody filmed it so it was in an archive well you were a big part of it with with uh, with santana and, and michael when you look back at that that whole experience what 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 comes to mind first for you when you look back at, at your involvement in woodstock well i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to answer that like everybody else would, would answer it if if you remembered what it was means you wasn't there. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. So there's gotcha. nothing to really remember because everything was just so at the moment, and everything was based off of instinct. I mean, you know, they were people were sneaking in, uh, people were breaking down fences and stuff. We knew nothing about this because we had, you know, we had just flown in in a helicopter, and uh, I was in one of the helicopters that Jerry Garcia was in, and let alone had been in a helicopter before it was kind of scary and then there's no door you know uh, in in the uh, in the helicopter so jerry looks down and goes what do you think have you ever seen that many people so it was kind of like a ooh wow ah i don't i don't you know i don't know I just had never seen that many people let alone from a helicopter that many people off of the stage and and really, it's, it was so spontaneous. The, the the crowd, as we we talk about it, and and for, and for the artists, was there much of a schedule? I mean, did you kind of know, you know, when you were going to play? Because these things, you know, what time of day do you remember when you did play? 
I'm I'm thinking, and I'm probably wrong. I thought we played about three o'clock, but mm-hmm. I might be wrong because it was so hectic of of trying to get the acts there to the stage. Uh, and I guess they had a schedule, but the schedule went somewhere else when <laughs> other people weren't there, and everything was was it was in chaos, basically. But it seems like our generation of that loved chaos. And uh, we were always able to make something out of it. And, uh, I mean, Country Joe had to go on because they didn't have anybody else that was supposed to be there. They weren't there on time. He had to go on and, and do his famous, give me an F, give me a, you know, that, yeah, that whole yeah. thing. So everything was spontaneous. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, once once we got on stage, it was like, hit it. You know, and, and basically Santana, when we played, we played to, you know, we weren't up there showing off or, you know, or posing or anything. We were a band that played to each other. I mean, a lot of times people would wonder why Carlos had his back to the, the audience. Well, he's looking at us and we're looking at him and I'm looking at Greg and I'm looking at Chapino and I'm looking at David Brown. I'm looking at Michael Streets for the next cue to go into something in the song. So we were a very tight band as far as that goes. And it seems like everybody that played at the Woodstock brought their A game those those three days. So I didn't see anything that didn't sound Mm -hmm. horrible. Woodstock at 50 at the Rock Hall uh, being shown off. Michael Carabella, kind enough to join us. Uh, He got a little preview and got to walk through this morning. Let me get you out of here on this. I mean, you've recorded and worked with so many, uh, you know, Michael McDonald, Skaggs, Moss Skaggs, Rolling Stones. Probably everybody, though, when they first meet you, they want to talk about Woodstock because it it affected so many musicians even today, the the music that was created in in that time. Um, There's, you know, there's, there's some people that constantly ask, what was it like playing at Woodstock? And like I said before, it's like if you remembered, then you weren't there, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think I think working with as many people as I've gotten to work with, I think they were looking for a certain a certain signature, a certain style. Um, we've kind of brought percussion to the forefront to put in a lot of bands that came off of that that are using percussion now. But uh, I've I've had a great career. I'm not done yet. I just put out a. Uh, uh, an EP. A new, yeah, I saw that. And, yeah, uh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. So I, a, a lot of ancient then, but you know, it's it's like just being a, in a oversized family. Everybody gets along, and when it's dinner time, it's time to eat. Let's go play. Michael, thank you so much for your time. We certainly appreciate it. The Rock Hall and the Woodstock at 50. Michael Carbella of uh, of Santana fame with us on the hotline this morning. Good stuff. I came across a fascinating book. It's called Hacking Darwin: Genetic Engineering and the Future of Humanity. I, you talk about fascinating. Jamie Metzl has put it together. Mentioned he would uh, he would join us. Jamie, first of all, I appreciate your time. Thanks for the work on this too. Well, thanks. My pleasure. I'm very passionate about it, and I feel like the the world is changing. It's changing fast. It's going to touch all of us, and we all need to know what's happening and and respond to it wisely. I, I made a couple of notes. Um, let me let me start slow, if you don't mind. It's technology, government, and regulators. They can't keep up with technology, and I can touch an iPhone. You're talking about genetically engineering my body, and and I I don't know that we can ever get our wrap our arms around what we're already doing with this, Jamie. It's true, but the science, the technology is advancing nonetheless, so we're going to have to figure out how to do it better rather than worse. And that means that the government needs to do more and that regular people like you and me and your listeners we all have to be involved. We have to have enough information to make smart decisions for ourselves, and we need to put pressure 
on our elected officials to, to at least pay attention to this whole this whole category of issues. Uh, let me ask the question then a, a different way. We, 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 we live through the space race. I understand that. I see the moon. Who wants to get there first? Is it really a race to and controlling what, what you're talking about with, with, with genetics? Well, I don't know if it's controlling genetics, but certainly there are going to be levels of adoption of these technologies. And certainly there will be some societies that will be, <clears throat> me, that will be more comfortable using the tools of the genetics revolution to engineer individuals or entire populations. And we all live in this competitive environment. And so if and when the outcomes of those interventions are significant, like differentials in IQ or longevity or all these other things that are, are, in, are real possibilities, there could very well be a, a kind of an, an arms race type scenario. And that's one of the things that we need to work to try to avoid, and the way to do that is by focusing on these issues now. I had a guest the other day, we were talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and people will say, ah, that's, that's in the movies. I'm like, wait a minute, have you, had, have you asked Alexa to do anything for you? I mean, guess what? Our, so in, yeah. in, 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 in your world, we're already allowing parents really to screen embryos, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. When people go for IVF, I'm sure lots of your listeners know people who've been through IVF. Lots of those people have a process called pre-implantation genetic testing, which is screening embryos, picking which embryo to implant, that, that already exists. As we learn more about how to understand genetics, we'll be just making more informed decisions about which embryos to implant, and then we'll be able uh, to do gene edits to those pre-implanted embryos. Jamie Metzl is with me, Senior Fellow for Technology, National Security at the Atlantic uh, Council. The book is Hacking Darwin, Genetic Engineering and the Future of Humanity. You touched on governments earlier. You write a lot about, or or at least touch on countries. Uh, China. Are, are we in a race with China? Where are they at on this front? Well, you get the Nobel Prize if you figure out how to do gene editing. You get Nobel Prize if you figure out how to do genome sequencing. But once these technologies exist, anybody can use them. So China wasn't at the forefront of developing this technology, but they're absolutely at the forefront of applying it. And China, <clears throat> China has a national plan to lead the world in, in major technologies by 2050, and they're putting huge resources um, into this. And certainly biotech and genetics are at the top of their priority list, and so it's not coincidental that the world's first two genetically engineered Humans were born in China last year, and it was a very unethical, irresponsible application of these technologies. But this is happening, and this is, it's not just about engineering populations. We imagine like, well, like we were at the beginning of the Internet age. There are tr there's trillions of dollars of commerce that is at stake. And so states and companies and countries, everybody is going to be racing into this field of advanced uh, biotechnology because that is that that's the next internet with much greater implications. I want to touch on that in that probably every every person you may talk to about your book in different cities want to tell you, hey, here's what we're doing here. Well, okay, yeah. here's what we're doing here. Cleveland, we're the home of Case Western Reserve, Cleveland Clinic. Yep. We've already done some interesting stuff in in blockchain or at least getting to understand through Blockland, what blockchain could be. Could you touch on that part of this equation, or, or is there a part? Well, there is. So, so basically what blockchain is, you mentioned blockchain, you mentioned AI. Um, what blockchain is doing, it's, it's like a ledger, it's a distributed ledger to, to, to know what 
happens, like if I, we use people to know this in the context of money, I lend you a dollar, you lend that dollar to somebody else, they lend it to somebody else. All blockchain is is a way of knowing where this dollar ha- has been. And so now with biology, we are, we are trying to understand these in- incredibly complex systems. And so we're going to need the tools like blockchain, uh, like artificial intelligence, to make sense of systems whose complexity is way beyond what our brains on their own are capable of understanding. All right. Scientists from different countries have already called on a voluntary uh, moratorium. Finally, Jamie, right. uh, if I could ask you this way, what, you've studied this. You've written about it. You live, yeah. What worries you at night on this? Yeah. So the scientists have called for a moratorium. I'm on record against the moratorium. I'm part of the World Health Organization International Advisory Committee on Human Genome Editing, where we're working with these issues. There are incredible opportunities, but there are real dangers. One is equity issues. What if we have different levels of access to these very powerful technologies? Diversity is the sole survival strategy of our species, and we have the potential, if, we don't, if we're not smart about things, to limit our diversity and therefore limit our resilience. And probably most significant is we're talking about extremely complex systems that we don't fully or even well understand. And when we start messing with these kinds of systems, there'll be things that will happen that are predictable, and there will inevitably be things that will happen that are unpredictable. And that's why we need to be careful, and we need to be wise, but we have to move forward. Fascinating topic. Uh, Jamie Metzl, again, the book, Hacking Darwin, Genetic Engineering and the Future of Humanity. Good stuff. Thanks for the time. Thanks so much, Bill. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.